sometimes the best stories in golf aren't found on tour you'll find them at the back of the range and here's your host ben adelberg and welcome to the back of the range i am your host ben adelberg this is episode 281 hope everyone's looking forward to a good week told you that this off season November, December, January, a lot of episodes will be coming your way, so I want to get one to you this week. My guest on this episode is Davis Chatfield from Attleboro, Massachusetts. Davis recently wrapped up his collegiate career at Notre Dame after returning for one final season on campus as a grad student. We spoke about his start in the game in the Northeast. Speaking of Northeast, this guy's a member at Wanamoisa Country Club the home of the Northeast Amateur. You know, the best amateurs in the world flock there one week out of the year. He's a member there. For all of the amateurs that I speak with here on the podcast that have professional aspirations in their sights, I actually think that Davis is probably going to miss the amateur game more than most. And we spoke a lot about that in this episode. You know, there are many paths to the PGA Tour, and one of those is PGA Tour University. It's a points-based ranking system that awards status to college seniors for the following season on the Corn Free Tour for those that finished in the top five. Now, if you fall just outside of the top five and you're in the top ten, you'll get conditional Corn Free Tour status with a few more limitations than the guys that finished in the top five. Is everyone following so far? Now, if you finish 11 to 20th, well, you're going to start your professional career on PGA Tour Canada or PGA Tour Latin America. So basically, 1 through 20, you'll have some sort of status to start your professional career. Davis Chatfield's PGA Tour ranking at the end of his collegiate career, 31. So Davis had to start from scratch as most collegiate players do each and every year as they start their professional careers. Finding tournaments to play in, booking travel, finding a place to practice, do you play mini tours, state opens, Monday qualifiers. What does a young, wet-behind-the-ears pro do? Well, everyone starts off by going to Q school. And since Davis didn't have any previous status or ranking to exempt him through any of the stages, he started at the beginning, pre-qualifying for the 2023 Corn Ferry Tour School Qualifying Tournament. And over two months, through pre-Q, first stage, second stage, and final stage, Davis kept his game sharp, his momentum up, and his mind you know, somewhat straight, and defied the odds to earn status on the Corn Ferry Tour in 2023. It's a hell of a story. We talked about this crazy stretch of golf he's been on and a bunch of other things as well, including the best party at the Northeast Amateur. This is a great episode and really happy for Davis that he's achieved so much right out of the gates. Let's get to this episode right now. Davis, welcome to the back of the range. How are you? Great. Thank you so much for having me. You are welcome. Uh, we are we're both sitting on a, on a on a lazy Thursday afternoon in November. 
I guess I guess I'm the only one that's working right now because you're taking a few days off. You got a job, man. You you graduated college and you found a job. I mean, every every college graduate's dream. You you go through the interview process. Uh, no, yours was a little more stressful than most, but you successfully navigated your way through Corn Ferry Tour Q School. What is the first thing you did once you got home and got to actually just put the emotions on the shelf for a little bit? What have you done the last few days? Ah, jeez, I haven't done uh, much of anything. I've been kind of glued to the couch. Um, <laughs> you sound plan... <laughs> absolutely exhausted, dude. Yeah, I I plan on doing that for the next five days too. Um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a long last two and a half months. Very rewarding, um, very stressful. Some of the best and worst emotions I've had, um, you know, on and off the course. But it's you know it amounted to me getting some good status on corn ferry um could have made it a little easier on myself the last round uh the other day but wouldn't have wanted it any other way and um now it's time to rest though (laughs) yeah is it more resting the body or is it just i need to unplug my brain and see if i can watch everything on netflix as humanly possible (laughs) yeah some of it's definitely the physical but mentally like just super checked out, you know, um, it's, uh, yeah, I it's been, uh, it's been a battle here the last couple of weeks, you know, luckily second stage and final stage was kind of back to back. Um, but pre-qualifying for me was the third week of August and I had to wait about a month for first stage then a month for second stage. So it was dragging on for a while and it was always just something that, you know, I was obviously thinking about and prepping for, but, to finally, you know, be done with it all, it's, it's, it feels so good. <laughs> yeah, you, uh, you sound, you sound very relaxed, and we'll definitely talk about this journey. But um, I want to make sure that I really want to lay a good foundation in this episode to kind of let the listener know, you know, you're you're starting the game, and also, you know, your your great career at Notre Dame. Um, you know, it's we were talking about this before we started recording, where okay, you're not one of those guys that was hovering in the top 10 of PGA Tour U and maybe not a name that that people that follow amateur and college golf super closely will know about. But again, one thing I want to make sure we kind of communicate in this episode, there are ways to to making it to the to professional, uh, the highest ranks of professional golf, and you just did it. So let's kind of backtrack a little bit and talk about Attleboro, Massachusetts. That's where you grew up. And um, let's talk about your start in the game. You're youngest of three boys, right? I am. Yeah, I got two older brothers. Yeah, and then they beat the crap out of you when you were a kid. But now you're a Corn Ferry Tour member, so you, it all worked out in the end. But tell me about growing up with your brothers and playing golf. Yeah, it was uh, it was great. I used to play at Highland Country Club. We used to live on the seventh hole. Um, you know, I always wanted to beat them obviously being the youngest one so i would have to show up to the course first before them so it was so easy you know i'd walk through the walk through the woods hop on the seventh hole play seven eight nine practice for hours and hours on end just i loved it you know in the summer and uh my brothers would get there at like noon we'd have lunch we'd play 18 then then our parents would get there we'd play a couple more holes with them um so I'd be at the course, you know, all day. It was always just something that I loved doing. And um, my brothers, you know, they they were always 
with me, you know, from the, from the start of it and okay. whatever they did, you know, I wanted to do one better than them. So they're always rubbing it in when they beat me and I hated that. So <laughs> I would always have to practice and practice. They somehow got the long hitting gene. Uh, I don't know who that came from. I guess my dad. So they were hitting it over 300 yards, just something that I'd never, never really got. So they're always, even to this day are still bragging about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, like it, that wasn't, that wasn't the whole thing for me. Like I knew I could beat them, you know, when I was, when I was young and hitting it 200 yards. So I'm sure it got on their nerves a lot. And, um, you know, to this day, they, my oldest brother, I play with a lot at Wanamoisit. He, um, he always likes to say that he's going to beat me on any given day and it, it hasn't happened in a while okay. and I don't, I don't plan on it happening anytime soon. So I think I, um, I think I found the real source of what motivates you. All this corn fairy store stuff doesn't really matter. It's just making sure your brothers no. don't, yeah, just make sure your brothers don't beat you. It's a win for you, right? Exactly. Yeah. As long as I can, you know, I'm still giving them shots. I can give them a couple shots and still beat them. Then, you know, at the end of the day, I'm the winner. So that, that has to be okay. Now, when did you first, now I think I want to make sure I follow this because I think this is really important. I think I already know the answer to this question. Did they ever let you win anything? Uh, no, yeah, no, see, yeah, see, no, <laughs> no, I, I can no. always see that coming. So when do you think you kind of first started, you know, getting the better of them or at least, you know, competing consistently with them? I would say in high school, once I hit freshman year, we were all on the same golf team. So, Oh God. Yeah. (laughs) So like at the time, my oldest brother was a senior. He was a captain and he was still probably beating me six, 60% of the time. probably 60, 40. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, he didn't, he didn't make it easy ever on me, obviously. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely got my competitive spirit from him, um, from both my brothers in that aspect and my parents as well. Um, they played a lot of tennis. My dad played tennis at Providence college. So, um, you know, I've always had this kind of competitive athletic gene, I guess in me. And, um, yeah, I mean, my brother's you know, they brought out the best of me when I was young. This is a lot of emotional damage you're doing to your older brother. He's the senior <laughs> captain on the golf team and his kid brother, the new freshman is just kind of nipping at his, <laughs> at his tail. And, Oh, that's gotta be just, Oh, that, that can't be good for his well being. but hopefully he's, he's moved on and he's, he's, uh, he, he's dealing with it. Now you mentioned Wanamoisin. I took my first trip up there this past summer to the Northeast amateur. Um, I mean, just this, this killer Ross design from, 1914 and i know that you know hosted the pga championship in 31 and and the northeast dam really is a fixture i think you played in this now i know you're a member there so i mean this is just Mm -hmm. an incredible you know i talked to to college players you know every week for last four or five years it feels like and everyone has a very kind of a you know, there's a lot of the similar stories. You know, I, we joined family joined a club, and that's where I learned the game. But you're a member at a club that that hosts the probably the most prestigious amateur tournament in the country. That is that doesn't have a U and an S in the front of it. Um, mm-hmm. What is that like to not only play your your golf there year round, but then every year as a you know 11, 12, 13 year old or, or whatever, you get to see the best amateurs in the country come through. Oh yeah. I mean, it was awesome. Um, I remember my first couple of times, uh, going to the 
the uh, Northeast. I was a standard bearer. I never caddied in it, but I was a standard bearer for like the last couple of groups for a few years. So I got to see a lot of guys go through that and I could see the success that they had going forward. Um, I remember like seeing Sam Burns and like those type of guys. Yeah. I was like, man, that's what I, that's what I want to do in a few years. And it was, I always felt like I was going to play in it. I didn't at the time when I was, you know, 13, 14 years old, I didn't know how much it was going to take to actually be at that level. I just figured, you know, if I keep doing what I'm doing, like eventually it's going to, it's going to work out. So, I mean, it was awesome. Like that club, Wanamoisa, they put so much into that event and everybody loves it. You know, they, they check off that week and they, that's their, that's their time of the year. You know, they get to house the kids. All the kids love it because they can just wake up and walk to the course in the morning. Um, you know, that, that membership, I mean, it's unlike any other membership really. Um, they just, they love the kids. They love the tournament. Um, that Friday night when they had the long drive family night, it's one of the most special days of the year for me and for a lot of, a lot of the members as well. Um, that tournament, it's, I mean, yeah, like you said, it's one of the most prestigious in, in, uh, in the summer for sure. And it's just playing at that course every day it never gets old yeah and that was kind of the one thing that really hit me when i was there i mean obviously you know i know all the names and i see all these guys you know throughout the college season and also at the amateur tournaments but yeah it's really i'm really glad you brought that up how the membership buys in because that i think that is probably once you get past the golf course once you get past um you know, the caliber of player and, and, you know, what wagger strength. Once you get past all that crap, I think the most important thing for the, the health of an amateur tournament is the buy-in from the membership. If you don't have that, at least in my opinion, mm -hmm. if you don't have that at some point, your tournament's in trouble. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like that, like from all the tournaments, I know Sonny Anna does it very well. Uh, it's very well put together and, um, but there's nothing really, obviously I'm going to be biased, but there's yeah. really nothing like it, you know, like everyone, I don't know any member that's against that tournament happening every year. It's, um, it's their time, you know, and, uh, we make the most of it. Now you played in that for the first time when you were 15. Is that right? I think I might've been 16. 16. You played in it like what? Six times or something? I six. Yeah. Yeah. I think my first watch or something. Yeah, I should, right? I think the first time I like I remember I signed the wrong card the first day. Okay. I was like I signed for a seventy one and I shot seventy, ended up missing the cut by about ten. And then I think I yeah, I made the cut every other time, but um yeah, I mean I think yeah, I played in it six times and that's having uh the COVID year it didn't happen, so it could have been could have been more than that. More more nervous on the first tee at your first Northeast Amateur than perhaps at a U.S. Amateur. I mean, that first year must have been a little bit uh, rough on a, on a youngster. Yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah, the first tee at, at Wanamoy, you know, the whole membership's watching, and they're the way that tee is set up. Like you have the whole patio there too. Yeah, so they're like breathing down your neck. You can hear a pin drop when you're over the ball, and that was pretty nerve wracking to me the first time I did it. And then, you know, you come back a few years later and you just, you can't wait for that. You know, it's, it's cool. So, um, 
yeah, I was pretty nervous. I didn't really feel like I, you know, at that time, I didn't really belong in that field. I, I had only won like the Rhode Island junior or something up until that point. So, um, yeah, I mean, as time went on, luckily I, I fit in a little bit better, but yeah, that, that first, that first time I played in that event was pretty nerve wracking. I'm going to put you on a spot here. This is a tough one. I know that in the evenings, maybe I know that family night, every, everyone's there at the club, but I know uh, f- from from rumors I'm hearing and members that I've met that there are quite a few parties at houses that are around the neighborhood, whether it's barbecues or just mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of hosting going on, shall we say. So um, who uh, I mean, give me a name of a member that puts on a pretty damn good party so I can write that down myself to make sure I know which house to go to next year. Bill Collins on the 18th hole. Oh, you will this, not was, this, this, this wasn't even a tough one. I, I was, I <laughs> no. was worried that you were going to like, well, I don't want to mention one guy, not the other. Yeah. You don't give a shit. It's all about Bill Collins. Yeah. Bill Collins. You'll, yeah. It's usually, uh, I think this year was after the second round. Um, yeah, he puts on uh, quite the party at most of the field goes, a bunch of members go can't miss it too. you. It's, it's right on the middle of the 18th hole. So he does a very good job. Um, you know, I've gone to it, I think, every year. It's been a, just a great time. That's another thing. Like, it's the tournament itself is awesome, but everything, like, I mean, you play in twosomes, you're done in three and a half hours. And then you got like the whole rest of the day to hang out with your friends and hang out with the members, whoever's hosting you. Like, it's, it's a super chill week. Like, it's a win win, whether you play well or you don't. Yeah, it, it almost feels that the golf is, I mean, I hate to say this, but it, the golf just doesn't seem as important as I see at other tournaments. No. Okay, good. I'm, I'm it's not. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> Love it. Um, all right. So, you know, we're, we've are we skipped around a little bit, but, you know, you, you have, you just said, you have a great junior career, you know, won the Rhode Island Junior Amateur. I know you're a former Rhode Island Amateur Champion as well played your high school golf at Bishop Fian and then obviously it comes time to, okay, where am I going to play in college? And, you know, you're up in the Northeast. There's a lot of great schools up there. Um, there's, there's great schools all over the country. How does Notre Dame fall into the mix? Cause you know, Notre Dame, I think everyone knows, you know, big, big football school. Um, mm-hmm. and that's what they're known for. But, um, how, how does it, uh, how does Notre Dame find, uh, find its way into your radar? Uh, it wasn't until I think it was September 1st of my junior year. That's when like coaches could text you or whatever, or sure. email you back. So it really wasn't until then where I got an email from Scott Gump. He was one of the first people. It was super exciting, you know, to, September 1st, cause that's when coaches can email you. So I was waiting on to see who I was going to be recruited by. And at that point, like, I was doing pretty well as a junior, but not like I had never played in an AJGA or something like that. I just okay. never got to that. I'd always stay and play amateur stuff up where I was. So Notre Dame got on my radar. Um, you know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't my first pick by any means. You know, I didn't know much about Notre Dame or um, about the school. So I had to, you know, take a visit to go get the full experience and, I remember, you know, first time on campus meeting the coaches, the players going around campus like that's it. I felt like that was just the place, you know, yeah. when I when I got there, like it, it's in the middle of nowhere, South Bend. It's so hard to get to. But once you're there, like you have everything, you know, every 
sports team on campus. They're all so good and they're all championship level teams. And at the time golf wasn't, but I felt like it should have been. And, um, you know, at the time, uh, a few months passed and my buddy, Alex Jameson committed, who's from, uh, Massachusetts as well. So figure, you know, why not have two mass guys down there? So, um, yeah, once, once I got an offer from Notre Dame, my, my mom kind of, you know, said, you you should really think about going here. (laughs) Like I strongly suggest you go here. She was, uh, she went to Boston college too. And, you know, hearing that from an Eagle, it's, uh, I knew that this place was probably for me. So, um, you know, once I got that offer, it wasn't too, uh, too long after that where I committed. So, so let's see if I got this right. You played in a grand total of zero AJGA tournaments <laughs> before being recruited by Notre Dame, and you got a Corn Ferry Tour card in your pocket right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, just, uh, just 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 I did it the hard way. <laughs> I'm just subtly laying this out for people listening. Just just making sure everyone's paying attention here. Just following along how this all happens. So Notre Dame, I know that you just brought it up, wasn't a strong team at the time, but in your career at Notre Dame, I mean, your name is all over the record books, whether it's career scoring average, most counted rounds. There's this guy named Palmer Jackson ahead of you on a lot of that. That's got to be annoying, right? I know, I know. And I can't do anything about it at this point. Uh, yeah. I'm just watching him beat everything I did. Yeah, maybe <laughs> just tell him to like go easy as last year. You're not there. I mean, no, don't do that. So, But you, you put on the, you put the, together a really solid career, uh, collegiate career and – you know, a lot of, like a lot of players when COVID hit, they had the opportunity to, to come back. And that's what you did. You you returned as a graduate student. You had one more year of, of college golf. And, you know, I'm around a lot of these guys, um, as you know, and I, I kind of get the vibe that some are just like, yeah, I'm done with school. I'm, I'm ready to go play golf for a living. I got, you know, they're, they're basically checking off the tournament saying, all right, I got this, this, and this, then I'm done. I'm finally done. Um, <laughs> I'm guessing if you had an opportunity for a second COVID year, you would actually probably weigh that pretty pretty strongly, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would be there for six for sure. <laughs> okay, and and has the nothing to do with Palmer ja- and has nothing to do with Palmer Jackson. <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but but speak yeah. but speak to I guess the college experience not only. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that that last year and and what you did to to utilize that year for experience and also to get you ready for the pro ranks. But is there, I mean, there's nothing better than playing college golf. Is there? No, there isn't. Like I would for sure go back for six if I had the chance, you know, (laughs) I always think about going back to, and I think I'm going to head up there next weekend for the BC game. Um, Hopefully we can win that one. Um, But uh, yeah, college golf at ND, like there's a lot of kids that want to be there and want to be in your shoes. And when you don't realize it at the time, you know, sitting here now talking to you about it, it's like, I wish I could go back, you know, just one regular day, you know, in the life, anybody on my team right now, like it was such a special experience and you never realize it, you know, in the moment. Um, and I, I'm very grateful that I took that last, that last year, that fifth year, because, I got to soak it in a little bit more like, you know, this isn't going to last forever. And this is a really great opportunity that I have. And, um, it was cool. Like, you know, seeing how the program changed in my five years, you know, we weren't great. My 
first couple of years. I was on academic probation my second year. So I do I, do I need to edit that was, part? I'll, I can edit that part out. Your mom might listen to this. Oh, she already probably. No, knows it's that. fine. Okay. She's all right with it. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, we came back my junior year and we won four out of the first five tournaments yeah. and we were inside the top 10. So it was like, wow, like this is, that's what I always expected ND golf to be like, you know, and having a, you know, a championship level team the last three years was a lot of fun to be a part of. And, um, you know, I'm hoping I made my mark on that, on that program going forward. And, uh, you know, it's, it's fun to follow now, but, uh, but yeah, I, I definitely miss it a lot. What did that final year do to prepare you for Q school or prepare, prepare you for this first year as a pro? Because again, you know, you're not on your own schedule as much as you like the college experience, you know, you're, you're traveling with the team, you're playing with the team, you're practicing with the team. Um, you know, you're not on your own schedule the way you are now as a professional. What did mm-hmm. you do in that last year to not only help the team and, um, you know, enjoy the experience, but also prepare you for this jump you made to the professional ranks? Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, you know, before that year, it was like, always like, you know, oh, I'm going to go play professional golf once I graduate. And I didn't realize how close that was right. until I hit that fifth year. And, um, I realized, you know, right after the AM at Oakmont came in, you know, I made it to the quarters and, I could have gone pro right there, you know, hypothetically, like it could have just happened. But, um, I, w- I knew that my game wasn't, you know, mature enough. I didn't do, I wasn't doing a lot of the things that I should have been the little things. Um, and I felt like I just need that extra year to, to work on my game, to get mentally sharper and, um, you know, just take my game to the next level. And I knew I wasn't going to waste that year and just, you know, try to just do what I was doing, I guess, like freshman, sophomore year, like I was going to take advantage of it. And I did, you know, I showed up every day and try to try to get a little bit better than I was the day before. And eventually it accumulated something pretty big, um, this year at, at Q school, but I felt like I was so close my first four years there to doing something good. And, uh, you know, that extra year is huge for me. And I definitely am glad that I took it. What are the things that you mentioned just not, you know, maybe is mentally prepared or, you know, I guess your game wasn't professional enough. I guess you can, you can put it that way. What were the little things that you and, and coach Handrigan, I mean, did you, did you actually sit down with him and say, Hey, you know, what do I need to do to get ready for the next step? Did you have a plan in place? Yeah, it was, uh, it really wasn't until like, the off season after the Stevens cup, we had played pretty well. We had won the Stevens cup and, you know, I asked him like what I genuinely needed to work on. Cause a lot of times like you don't take ownership of the things that you want to, like I knew that I needed to, to drive it better. I knew that I needed to make more putts. So it wasn't really until that off season that I like that I took ownership of my game. I, I addressed the things that I needed to address and I didn't put it off any longer. So you know, I put goals in place to, you know, be a better putter, to to hit more fairways, hit it longer. And I set out these goals that, you know, there are tough goals to hit. And I, I didn't even come close to hitting them this year. But um, when you have a plan in place, I guess, and you, 
you take ownership of of what you have you know it makes the makes it a lot clearer of what you need to accomplish so um so yeah we we chatted we picked apart the game and figured out what we needed to work on going forward and uh you know it worked out this year in 2022 now you mentioned earlier that you don't have the bomber game that your brothers have. Um, you know, you, you know, I guess throughout your junior and college career, I mean, you can kind of see where the game is going, whether it's watching, you know, a Bryson DeChambeau trying to squeeze out every, you know, every inch of distance he can in his game. I mean, I'm sure you're kind of seeing how distance was starting to d- dominate the game even more. Um, mm-hmm. You're not a bomber. You stand five foot five, and I'm not bringing this up to illustrate a weakness in your game, but I'm also, I, I'm basically bringing it up to to dive into the reality that it's not all about distance. And you know, you're playing your college golf with, I mean, your teammate Andrew O'Leary, your former teammate Andrew O'Leary, he's six four, and then you know Chase and Kevich is six six. I mean, you see these guys all the time. So how do you how do you compete and 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 thrive? I mean, you you just got full status in the corn Ferry tour how do you approach the game where and also how would someone that's maybe similar stature to you that's that's 14 15 16 thinking oh if i don't bomb the hell out of the ball i'm never going to play college golf how have you approached the game that so that it fits you and gets you to where you want to go which is playing professionally Mm. it's so cliche but you have to play your game like that's the one thing that i focus on um like in the southern am like i play with chase and i play with ross steelman and they're hitting it <laughs> 70 yards. i don't know if they did that on purpose but okay now wait a minute okay now, now hold on did they put you with tommy morrison and chase and kevich in the northeast do i remember that right they let's see i play with tommy at the pat coast okay six foot eight um yeah, that was, that was fun. Um, yeah, you're like yeah, you're like yeah, that was fun. That's okay. Uh, yeah, um, but yeah, I hit, I play with a lot of guys that hit it a very considerable amount further than me. Okay, I got to realize like, you know, in the past, I think I would like stand up on key and try to hit it as hard as I could, but I was like, that's not going to get me anywhere. It hasn't led to lower scores. So if I can just play my game focus on the things that i came here to do and not worry about you know don't you don't even have to watch them tee off like you know i was watching chase and ross tee off it was it was pretty cool to see but um as long as i don't let that get in my head and i realized that you know i did all of these things playing my game and it got me to here like there's no reason that it's going to give you more success so i always try to stay out of my own way uh, in that aspect just take it one shot at a time. Like I'm not going to stand up on the first tee and hit it three thirty like those guys, you know, it's just not going to happen. So, um, as long as I can focus on my game, um, yeah, just, and just do the things that I know I need to do well, then, you know, I can still shoot a good number at the end of the day. So basically you're trying to compete with them when you have an equal, uh, you know, you're trying to compete with them a hundred yards and in. you're trying to make sure that you're eight mm-hmm. iron is better than their wedge or their nine iron you're making exactly. sure okay so you can compete at that level but for a long drive contest it's just not going to happen long drive is probably not going to happen okay uh, i like to have long drive contests just because if i could sneak one one drive longer than someone then 
makes me feel pretty good. But <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't usually compete in those. No. <laughs> now, are you thinking now that you're turning professional? Now that you you've turned professional, are you thinking about okay? Do I need to get extra distance to compete at the pro level, or have you just said, look, this got me here. I'm sticking with this. Yeah, it's always going to be something that I'm kind of inching towards. I don't see myself doing something super drastic, okay. you know, in this off season to like try to gain 20 yards. If I can always be kind of chipping away at it and it's always, you know, in the back of my mind, like you got to just put the time in, try to hit it further, do these things. Um, then yeah, eventually I'll hit it, you know, where I want to, you know, right now I'd probably, I don't know, average around 280 ish off the tee. Um, you know, if I can get that to 295 in the next few years, like, I feel like no course will be long in my right. eyes. Right. So, um, yeah, not far away, but just got to do the little things. Now, when you hit a hybrid inside of a playing competitor's six iron, is that like one of the best feelings for you? I mean, do you just love it? Uh, you like that, don't you? <laughs> it is, yeah, because I grew up not being able to reach a lot of par fours and two and like when I'm hitting three wood inside of like their seven iron, it's like, that's the best feeling. And then making the putt too. It's like <laughs> nothing's better than that. So I know it's like, and that's another thing, like playing like that growing up, it came like so normal to me to have like a long iron or a wood into a hole. Right. And now I don't have that as much, but when it does happen and I have a five wood in my hand into a par four, it's like, you know, it's just another hole. Like I can, I can still make up and down from 240 out. Like I've done it before. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously I'd, I'd like to play a, a shorter course just sure. so it's, it's a little bit easier, but I know that I can still score the long courses. That's really interesting. You bring that up. Cause yeah, that, that freaks a lot of people out when they're playing a longer course and all of a sudden they're like, wait a minute, I'm used to hitting driver, eight iron, driver, wedge, driver, seven iron or a six iron into a par five. And then, you know, they're faced, you know, two twenty out two fifteen out. They're like, wait a minute, why do I have a four iron in my hand? And <laughs> yeah. they just lose all, but, th but this is standard issue for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I figure like in, most of the tournaments that I play, there's going to be like one or two long holes on a course, just on average. So as long as I can like, you know, if I play a one over for the week, even for the week, I'm not yeah. going to lose any shots there. So, yeah. So you just finished this, this career at Notre Dame. Most college players, when they're done with the season, they immediately, they turn pro, whether it's, you know, basically leaving the national championship at Greyhawk and, you know, June 1st, they're done. They are, they're off to the races. Um, you didn't do that. You stayed amateur, got to play one, you know, got to play in your 15th Northeast amateur and then played in, uh, you know, you're playing the U S amateur one more time. So, um, I mean, I think I'm pretty much right in assuming you're, you're going to miss amateur golf pretty much, aren't you? I am. Yeah. I went on, uh, <laughs> one last farewell tour this summer to soak it all in. Where'd you and go? Then, uh, what else, what all did you play in this summer? I want to see what this summer looked so like. So I played in the first one was out at Columbus. It was the U S open sectional, okay. uh, the big one unfortunately missed that by one so that could have like oh. changed the trajectory of my summer that's true. had i made the us open went there played well whatever but uh came back went to the sunny hannah and the northeast back to back so those were obviously the whole month of june was was a treat yeah. and then 
took a few weeks off, went to the southern end with Palmer, and then we went from there to Pat Coast, flew together. So that was a fun two weeks on the road. Uh, came back and then played in the Western Am and then, uh, yeah, said goodbye to amateur golf. So it was fun. It was, uh, you don't realize how, uh, how well you have it in amateur golf, really. I mean, you have every meal given to you, like, like everything's right there. They have shuttles and then I get to pre-qualifying and Ar- just, I, welcome to pro you golf. In the tournament. <laughs> You're in Argyle, Texas at Lantana golf club. Welcome to professional golf. Um, I got there. The course was underwater. It was the first time that it had rained there like the whole year you know, there with Luke long and James Liao. And we were just having a great time. <laughs> it was, it was crazy. You know, it's, it's not like, it's not anything like amateur golf, especially the best amateur. It's like, you're so spoiled. You don't realize it. And you go to all stages of Q school and it's, there's no meals given to you. There's no discounted hotel. It's just it's you in the tournament. <laughs> you just got to go grind it out for a week. So, so Bill Collins wasn't hosting a party at the corn Ferry pre Q is what you're saying. <laughs> no, he wasn't there. Oh, unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> so you, you, so you start your pro career and I mean, this is something you want to do for, for your entire you know childhood. You're like, I want to play professional golf. Um, but uh, you know, people have different expectations of where they want to be just as they're starting out. You know, I hear a lot of players are, they're like, Oh, this is, this is what I'm destined to do. And I need to be on the PJ tour right away. Others are like, yeah, I have a five-year plan. Do you kind of remember what you were setting yourself up for mentally? Like, okay, here's my first crack at Q school. I have no status. I'm starting from the bottom. Were you looking at, you know, you know, just get through second stage. So I have something or go in with no expectations and you know, who knows what, I mean, do you remember what you were thinking before you teed it up for pre-Q? Yeah. I mean, this year I kind of changed my mentality of just having no expectations when I get to the tournament okay. so I can do all of the prep work before then and feel the most prepared I am. And then once I get there, I have no expectations. So, I mean, I can only control the things that I can control, which is, you know, like, attitude every day as long as i get there and, and want to be there it's tough to say that when you're going you're going into like yeah the i mean these are yeah this second is, stage like, yeah. you don't want to be there <laughs> these are, but yeah i mean you can uh i mean pro golf it's it's probably going to be a long haul so i want to play this game for a while and if i'm not enjoying it then i, I shouldn't be doing it and that was my main thing it's my main thing for every term is just to go have fun and it could be a lot worse than it is right now. Like even if I went out the last round of final stage and I shot 80 and I didn't get my guaranteed starts, like I'd look at it as I still have conditional status and I still have a chance to make something happen next year. So yeah, I mean, it's so much of pro golf is just the mental game. It's just the grind. Um, And you can see it like a lot of guys, probably should have had more status than they are like they you know they're still there like we're all in the same boat so if you can beat them mentally save a couple shots here and there um you know it goes a long way especially in q school so 
Well, you, you got through, so first, well, pre-Q is at Lantana Golf Club in Argyle, Texas. You tied for second there, you know, great start, 68, 67, 69. Then you go to first stage at, and I'm not making this up, the club at Irish <laughs> Creek. So you got a guy. Yeah, that was destined to happen. Yeah, when you when you saw that, you're like, well, hell, I mean, this is this is meant to be. Um, yeah. But you know, four solid rounds there, tied for 14th. You move on, and now now we're getting a little serious here because not to trivialize pre Q and first stage, but if you if you flame out of those two, you, you know, you're pretty much you're starting over again next year at the same spot, mm-hmm. but. But you get to second stage, and you know if you get through second stage, you do get something, some sort of status. And mm-hmm. at um, second stage, actually down here in South Florida, Plantation Preserve, uh, didn't call me to caddy, but that's okay. Um, the, your 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 first two rounds, um, not real solid. And I'm guessing this is kind of the turning point for your Q School experience. You shoot 65, 66 the last two days to bring mm-hmm. you within two of the cut line. You finish at 15 under and the cut was at 13. Um, that had to have been probably the most poignant moment of this experience for you. Yeah. I remember the, at really every stage of the first, you know, three rounds, I haven't felt like any nerves and it wasn't until the final round, especially final round at second stage. I went in, I was like, like I can't eat breakfast. I can't like, I'm just, <laughs> I'm so nervous, but I was like, I kept telling myself, like, you just did it at first stage so you can do it again. Like I was one outside of the cut line going in the last day at first stage, made it by a couple. It was the same setup at second stage. So I was like, you know, just do what you did there. So I knew that I was playing really well that week and I had a great first round and I had a great third round. It was just the second one that kind of killed me. So I knew that I, I knew I had it in me. I knew what I needed to do, how to attack that course. And just went out there with, uh, tried to keep telling myself, like, you're here with no expectations, did all the prep work, just go try to enjoy it. You know, I was, it was good. I played with one of my buddies, David Sanders and uh, Ryan Ruffles the last round. So, yeah. like, I had a great group, which helps, uh, especially in something like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, we just, we were kind of, you know, on the same boat, we weren't really thinking about it too much. We were trying to keep it as much as a normal day as we possibly could have. And uh, a big part of uh, Q school, first, second, and final, my brother's been on the bag. So, um, you know, he's just kind of keeping me level-headed, trying to keep my mind off of everything that's happening. So, uh, yeah, he's uh, he got an A-plus for, for the last three events. And, and the vibe around Q school, like, I know – like there's probably like you just said um you know david sanders ryan ruffles i'm sure there's a lot there's a lot of familiar faces you know you bumped into uh frankie zappin along the way during q school Mm -hmm. but and i'm thinking like in pre-q and first stage there's there's a lot of dreamers there that that may or may not be qualified to be there but once you get to second stage um I mean, you're, you're around guys that, that have been professional for a while. You're around, you know, you know, blue chippers from college. You're around a lot of different people. Um, and you're kind of, like you said, you're kind of staring in the face. You're like, if I don't get through this, Uh I know that I have a year of Monday qualifiers, state opens, mini tours. Uh Um, I mean, what, how does the vibe change when throughout Q school? I mean, cause, and the other thing too, is not to make this question any longer than it needs to be, but it's not like you're playing, 
you know, pre-Q, first stage, second stage, final stage, it's not four consecutive weeks. It's like what, two and a half months. Two and a half months for me. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there I played uh pre-Q is in August, had a month until first stage, waited another month until second stage. And luckily second stage and final stage were about two weeks apart. But um, no, it's uh it's a grind. You're always thinking about it, but um, yeah, the vibes at second stage, yeah, it's a lot, it was a lot different than first and obviously pre-Q. Like you see a lot of familiar faces, a lot of people that you watched on TV and you're like, wow, you know, how is he here? But you got to realize that everyone is there for a reason and you're all on the same level playing field. You're all starting at even. So um, you got to just go out there and do what you know best. And that's playing your game. And, um, I knew that I knew that I had something good in me for this year. Like I'd been so close to doing some, some good things this spring and this fall. So I kind of, um, I kind of felt like, you know, something, something really good was coming. And, uh, you know, I kept believing that I kept telling myself that. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a crazy last couple of weeks, but, but super rewarding. And now you and and just so people know you there you are there are eight players that made it through all four stages of Q school, beginning with pre qualifying, and only four of them locked up starts. Uh, Joe Weiler, uh, Mason Anderson, yourself, and and Frankie Zapp. And now Frankie went uh, kind of went nuclear. Uh, I think he shot sixty under in all these 60. stages and. I, I think maybe he got beat by like just a handful of guys in basically four separate tournaments. You saw him in, I think first stage. Is that right? First or first second? stage? Yeah, he he beat me by like eighteen at first stage. He won that one. Like at that point, after he wins first and second, like I feel like that sh- he should get something for that. I think, like I think they get. He like should a, get his car. He gets like a T-shirt, I think, or something. I don't know. <laughs> Probably, maybe he gets like a discount on the breakfast or something. I don't Probably, know. yeah, free muffins. But, you know. Yeah, I mean, like the golf that he's played this fall was like, I mean, I don't know many people that would be beating him right now. You yeah. know, he's he shot sixty, I shot thirty-nine. He beat me by twenty-one. Like that's, and I thought I played pretty well, but he, uh, yeah, he's doing something pretty special. He deserves it. I played with him at Pat Coast in the last round, and it looked like he was, he wasn't scoring well at the time, but you could tell he had something good in him. And yeah, uh, yeah it's great to see. He's such a good kid too. Yeah. So it'll be fun playing with him next year. Yeah, you guys are uh, you guys are be playing a lot of the same tournaments now. Now you shot, so you finished at three under in final stage and ended up being T39. So basically right inside that top 40, that guarantees you eight starts, but you posted three under and had to sit and wait. Um, how, how much did that suck? That was brutal. Yeah. I had, uh, had, had my family there too. And we were sitting at lunch. I couldn't eat. Obviously I was just sitting there refreshing the, the board. Um, yeah, I was T38 for the first, like, 10 minutes. Then I went to T39. I was like, oh, no, this is it. This is going to happen. But then, uh, yeah, once it came down to, like, there were a couple guys at two under on 17, they both would have, like, needed to hole out on 18 for me to get bumped out. And I was like, you know, it's as long as these scores are correct, I'm in. So, yeah, it was uh, 
I don't want to go through that again. Uh, I should have just made the birdie on 18 uh-huh. and locked it in, but uh, it is what it is. And uh, yeah, I, it was it was a crazy day, really. <laughs> now I know that you have some time before your your Corn Ferry Tour debut, which will be in the middle of January. Actually, back to back weeks in the Bahamas. Welcome to Pro Life. You're going to be in, be in the Bahamas. You got two tournaments there, and then. Um, then you're, you're in Panama, you're in Colombia, you come back to Georgia for, for a tournament. Then you got to go to Santiago, Chile. And I mean, you're all over the place. Um, what do you do between now and then? I I'm guessing part of the challenge for you right now is, okay, cool. I have a schedule. I know what I'm playing in, but how the hell do I get there? And who do I try? I mean, do have you even started putting that together yet? Yeah, no, I haven't. I got to figure out, at least I'll know some people, you know, I'll know Frankie, Logan, Chris, like those guys are going to these. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as like booking the the first couple in the Bahamas, like that's, yeah, I got to do that soon. I heard it's kind of a mess too. So it's nice to know that I'm playing uh, at a certain date and I know exactly what I'm playing in for the first eight events, but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, until then, I'm going to continue relaxing. I'll get to it soon. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, I got, I, I have to take a little bit of time off to uh, just kind of, you know, get my mind, mind and soul back together. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be kind of a mess booking all this stuff. So the, I'm not looking forward to that. The, 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 the thrill and excitement of being a professional golfer, right? exactly this is probably the right time for your brother to challenge you to a round of golf he probably could take you right about now he would edge me out right now yeah he would (laughs) i'll say it well davis this is uh i'm really glad we got to get together and, and chat about this um i think it's a great story i mean someone that just went through the college ranks and you're right where you want to be and yeah, the hell with those tall guys like myself. I mean, you just mm-hmm. you, yeah. See, see. Well, I'm sitting down. I don't so. like him. <laughs> yeah, just so yeah, just just keep doing what you're doing. Um, get your make sure the passport is updated. You're going to be leaving the country pretty soon. Um, but enjoy the holidays with your family. Get your game ready, and um, congrats on all your success. And uh, we'll be following. And uh, I appreciate you stopping by the back of the range. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate everything. Thanks for having me on today. And there you have it. Special thanks to Davis Chatfield for joining me on this episode here at the back of the range. Best of luck to him as he starts his pro career on the Corn Ferry Tour next season. Now, don't forget, every single episode is available at thebackoftherange.com. That's where you'll find merch and the Imperial Hat Collection. So go check that out, and we'll see you next time here at the Back of the Range.